everybody. Welcome to All There Is. I'm your host, Kelly Bargabas. Thanks for joining me today. Election season is upon us. And yes, I know it's a midterm election. I know it's not a presidential election, but it is the season nonetheless and an important one. They're all important. And I'm starting to get the direct mail pieces. I'm seeing the signs in the yards and at the intersections and corners. I'm getting the auto text messages. And even though we have two more years before we elect a new president, this election season has me thinking. To be honest, I think about this stuff all the time, especially with some of the things that have happened in our country and culture in the last few years and in the last few months. There's been a lot and there's been everything from the Me Too movement to the civil rights, Black Lives Matter. And now, most recently, the overturn of Roe v. Wade. All of these things are things I can't believe we're still fighting about in 2022. Like, shouldn't these things be settled? Do we really need to have a movement called Me Too and Black Lives Matter? We shouldn't have to shame men and people in positions of power and authority to behave professionally and maturely. And we shouldn't have to convince the leaders of this country and the population at large that all lives matter, right? And then there's Roe v. Wade. I have so many thoughts about what happened there, and I know it's been a few months, and I'm still processing it. But I think the biggest overarching thought or feeling for all of these, especially Roe v. Wade, is really? it's It's been 50 years. Are we really going to go back and fight this battle again? Can't we move on and come at it a different way? I mean, we're a different generation than we were 50 years ago, or at least we should be. You know, and regardless of where you stand on the issue, let's move on. Keep it safe and legal, and let's go about the work of protecting lives and freedoms that exist in our culture today. Women deserve the freedom to live their lives the way they want, period. Again, with all these issues, uh, I'm not naive about them. I know these movements were absolutely necessary. But again, I just can't believe we haven't got it yet. I mean, come on. So anyway, all these things... The election season have got me thinking, and the last few the last few presidential elections have been upsetting to say the least, at least for me. And I'm not going to talk specifically about the candidates or the incumbents or the one who holds the current office. I'm not going to really talk about specific political parties because if I'm being really honest and non-party, non-political, I was disappointed with all of the candidates on both sides. I look at the job of the president like any other job interview, but not just any job interview. It, it is for the biggest job in the country, in the world, really. I mean, it, it really is CEO of the U.S., a world leader. It is the biggest job. And we should be interviewing the best and the brightest people and leaders for this job. And lately, and when I say lately, I mean the last few elections, I've been dumbfounded by the list of final candidates. Like, really? This is it? This is the best and the brightest we've got? This is the cream of the crop? These are our final candidates? I've done a lot of interviewing in my career, and I've interviewed and hired a lot of people. And I'd really like to have more input in the presidential process. And yes, I do vote. I know I can vote. Yes, yes, yes. But I'm talking about more than that. I want to be part of the hiring committee. And more than anything else, I really just want to get the best possible person we have for the job, period. 
since nobody is asking me for my opinion or to join the hiring committee, I thought I'd put some of my thoughts in these podcast episodes and maybe, just maybe, the next presidential candidate will listen. Who knows? You never know. So I'm going to do a little mini-series and do a few episodes on how to be president. So today's episode is called How to Be President Part 1, The Sanctity of Life and Freedom. Two core values at the heart and soul of what it means to be American. Both of these words, life and freedom, hold tremendous power, especially for Americans. Our country was born on both of these ideals. It is in our DNA. New Hampshire's state motto is live free or die. We die to protect lives and we die to protect freedom. These two are so intertwined. There is no life really without freedom and people will risk their lives for a chance at freedom. I have a brother-in-law who grew up in Cuba and lived there until he was about 30, um, maybe 32 or so. And he has an amazing life story. I've tried to get him to come on and do a podcast, and I haven't given up. I'm hoping to get him on here one of these days so you can hear directly from him. But he's an amazing person. And again, he grew up in Cuba, and he was so desperate for freedom and a chance at freedom and thought that could be found in America. He was so desperate for that that he tried to swim twice. Now, when I say tried to swim, I mean he got in the ocean in Cuba and had every intention of trying to swim to America. I mean, I know from Cuba to Key West is 100 miles. Think about that for a minute. There's all kinds of dangers in the ocean, sharks just being one of them. But weather, sharks, things that want to do you harm and eat you. He was willing so desperate for that freedom and a chance at that freedom that he was willing to risk his life swimming in the ocean a hundred miles or more to get to America. And he didn't make it that way. He tried it twice. I think he got caught and uh, decided not to take that third chance. And eventually he won the lottery. He came to this country legally and he won the lottery. He has a citizenship and he's been here and works hard now that he has this freedom. And But that story just amazes me. And I just recently met two other people who escaped Cuba, made it to Nicaragua. Then they walked, walked to and through Mexico to get to the United States for political asylum. I mean, for someone like me who's never been called upon personally to put my life on the line for my own personal freedom, stories like these amaze me. They astound me. And they're very sobering to me. The price that we put on freedom and what we're willing to do for it. There is no life without freedom, and people give up their lives every day to ensure freedom. And yes, I know, you know, my husband is a veteran. My father is a veteran. We have people every day who are actively putting their lives on the line for us, and that also is not lost on me, and I'm sure it's not lost on you. Now, even though freedom is so precious to us as human beings, you know, in a country like America and a democracy like we have, it isn't freedom without guardrails. We need guardrails to protect ourselves and others. We have to register our cars. We have to get driver's license in order to drive safely to protect our lives and those of others. We have freedom of expression, but that is not without guardrails and limitations. It's not to the point where you can yell fire in a crowded room. There are things to protect us. So when we hold both of these ideals as sacred truths, life and freedom, how do we make sense of them? How do we make decisions? How do we uphold laws and interpret the Constitution when on the surface of an issue, freedom and life can sometimes seem to be at odds? 
Let me give you an example. The most recent is the the COVID-19 vaccine, right? Our government has mandated in certain situations that you have to get the vaccine. Certain employers can mandate that you need the vaccine. Schools, hospitals, when you travel, there are certain situations, even for Americans, where the vaccine was mandated. And doesn't that require you to give up some freedom? How can you tell me to get a vaccine? How can you require that? Well, we can require that because one of the guardrails that we subscribe to is to protect public health. And when it's a public health matter, we can require that. Same thing with wearing masks, right? It's like, what do you choose? Protecting the lives of the vulnerable or individual freedom? And again, I can make the same case with a driver's license. How come we've all accepted the fact that we have to be licensed drivers, we have to register our cars, we have to be insured, we have to follow the rules of the road? At a very core level, you could make the argument that that impairs your personal freedom. But it doesn't because we're protecting the society and culture at large, right? As Americans, our job is to provide freedom and liberty and justice for all. And I mean all. That means we have to learn how to negotiate and give and take in a way that is informed, educated, gracious, and brave. My husband and I play a game called Pitch with my parents. It's a card game, and whoever wins the bid for a particular hand calls out the winning suit. And that suit becomes Trump in the card game. There's no correlation to the person Trump, so let me just say that. I'm talking about cards and what is referred to as having Trump. And regardless of whatever face value of the card is laid down, if you lay down a two of clubs on a queen of hearts and clubs is the Trump suit, the two wins it. Even though the queen is higher in value, the two wins it because it's Trump. So when we're talking about life and freedom, what is the Trump card? Is it life or freedom at all costs? As imperfect human beings, we tend to spout off about freedom when we're being asked to do something we don't want to do. And we're throwing a temper tantrum like a two-year-old in Target who was told they had to put the latest OMG doll back on the shelf, right? Or you said no to the candy bar at the checkout. And we get hysterical about our own personal passionate topics like the sanctity of life. But again, we tend to only do that when it suits us individually and our lifestyle. For example, some groups take the sanctity of life ideal to only mean unborn fetuses in the womb of a woman. In my opinion, they can be obsessive, passionate, angry if this ideal is threatened, even by freedom. Some of these same people also spout freedom above all else when they are being forced to take a vaccine or wear a mask or adopt new gun regulations. When it comes to guns, vaccines, and masks, freedom trumps saving lives, innocent lives, the young, the old, the vulnerable, other lives. But when it comes to abortion rights, the sanctity of life trumps freedom and the freedom that women want to have true control and agency over their health and bodies. So this is just an example about how we're constantly jockeying the sanctity of life and the sanctity of freedom to suit our own passionate ideals and how we want everyone to live like we want to live. Now, and this is just an observation. I'm not picking on anybody. I could also give you an example the other way. So how do we reconcile these two things? Why is freedom more important sometimes, but not all the time? Why is certain life so sacred we'd sacrifice freedom for it, but not all life is that important or valuable? I personally believe in the sanctity of life, all life, the life that is innocent, 
and guilty, the life that is young and old, the life that is mine and that of another, the living and the unborn. But I believe freedom should be upheld at all costs, too, so that we may honor the life we dream of and the dreams of others. And I want you to know, too, if you're still listening and haven't got upset and turned this off, that I don't come at this topic lightly. I've spent a lot of time thinking about this. And if you've been listening to this podcast all there is for any length of time, you know this is how I process things. I wonder sometimes if there is an obsession with life in the womb because that life in the womb hasn't done anything we disapprove of yet. That life hasn't made bad choices. They haven't been born the wrong race or color. They haven't committed any sins or crimes against humanity. They haven't become ill or poor or disabled. All those things that make us uncomfortable or think, well, they must deserve the consequences they have. They must have made bad choices. If you are one who is going to prioritize the sanctity of life, I would have a lot more respect for that argument if you responded the same way to people living on the streets. Yes, even the ones who made bad choices to get there. I would have a lot more respect if you responded that way to the sanctity of life when it comes to innocent people like George Floyd being murdered on our streets, or when there's a school massacre like the one in Uvalde, Texas. Are those same people who hold the sanctity of life above all else willing to compromise on gun control and uphold civil rights in order to protect the sanctity of those lives? I suppose I could make the same argument the other way. If the sector that is pro-freedom for women's bodies and rights believed in the same freedom at all costs when it comes to personal health and the right to own firearms, we'd make different decisions. When it comes to pandemic and global health, they choose life over freedom, other times freedom over life. It seems to me that freedom versus life is a card game, and we like to throw our trump card when it suits us. So what do we do with all of this that I'm spouting off about? First, I hope you're still listening because we're just talking. And I understand and appreciate that this is a powerful and polarizing topic. My goal with this is not to change your mind. My goal is not to win an argument or show you how smart or right I am. We're just talking. And my goal is to ask questions, to provoke thought and examination, and like I said in the beginning, set some expectations and a job description for our new president. How can we embrace both freedom and life, life and freedom, in the areas that are most passionate to us. First, I think we need to accept and get comfortable with the fact that we don't know everything. That's something I've had to get comfortable with in my own life because there was a time when, you know, I thought I was right most of the time. And I have learned as I've grown and matured and aged, I'd like to think I've gained a little wisdom. And one of the things that I've definitely accepted for myself personally is I don't know everything. And I think it really helps if we can get comfortable with that idea. We'll never be 100% right, and we'll make mistakes as individuals and even as a country. You know, I think the, the only way we'll know for sure with 100% certainty is if we had the luxury of still being alive 200 years from now and looking back and evaluating the culture that we're in today. We won't get that. And another thing that I've definitely learned and accepted in life is that two seemingly opposite things can exist and be true at the same time, or two unexpected things can exist and be true at the same time. So I'll give you a really personal example for me. I am a Christian. I have been since I was a little girl. What does that mean? 
It means for me, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe the Bible. I believe that God loves me and has a plan for my life. Very solid in that. Now, what does that really mean to me? My faith is an anchor in my life. It's an anchor to my soul that keeps me from getting lost even when the storms rage. And they do rage. Being a Christian doesn't mean that I don't sin because I do. It doesn't mean I don't make mistakes or bad choices. I absolutely do. And I don't always act like a Christian. Also, a lot of bad things have happened to me. Just like that old song from when I was a kid, God never promised us a rose garden. In fact, he he tells us that we will have trouble in this life. No matter what you believe, life is not fair, it's not perfect, and we will have trouble. And I've had plenty. And I've had plenty of things happen that have made me question my faith. I've been angry at God. I've had unanswered prayer. And and yet my faith is stronger than ever. I believe that he is and he exists and he loves me. He's got a good plan for my life. But for a large part of my life, I struggled with the culture of Christianity and some of the beliefs or expectations, especially around women's rights, marriage equality, and, and some of those big polarizing topics in our culture that we fight about. But what I've realized my big aha is that, yes, I believe in God, but I am not God. It is not my job to judge other people's sin or morality or how they reconcile the Bible with how they live their life. That is between them and God. And I don't need to be in the middle of it. Period. End of story. And also, I am including in that that, yes, I know not everyone believes in God. And that is their right as well. And again, I don't need to get in the middle of it. I can live my life and my beliefs out in this country that we live in, thank God. But I don't need to get in the middle of that and figure out what that means for other people. I am only responsible for myself. Because of what I believe, I do believe that someday I'll have to give an account for how I live my life. But guess what? I won't have to give an account for how you lived your life. Just me. That's it. So that is something that I've come to accept. Now, a lot of people would make assumptions about me. You know, if I told you that I was a Christian and I attend church, they would make assumptions about how I believe on different issues and issues in our culture today, especially women's rights. For me personally, I believe abortion should be safe and legal in this country. Do I believe that life is sacred and comes from God? Yes. Do I believe life starts in the womb? Yes. Do I still believe that abortion should be safe and legal? Yes. I believe women are entitled to that freedom, and I've been a feminist ever since I can remember. I actually had a guy not too long ago ask me if I was one of those women's libbers, which I haven't heard that term since since the 70s, I think, or early 80s. But it simply means that I believe women should have the same rights as men. If you believe that women deserve the same rights, the same pay, the same treatment under the law, guess what? You're a feminist, too. For some people listening, everything I just said are fighting words. And I guarantee there are people thinking right now, how can you call yourself a Christian if you believe abortion should be legal? And I'm sure other people are thinking like, oh my God, how could you call yourself a Christian and be associated with those people? And I get it. Sometimes these things don't make sense. But again, like I said, if you're willing to be brave and vulnerable and willing to ponder these questions... I think it helps all of us evolve and move forward. If you're willing to be brave and vulnerable, ponder these questions. Can I allow someone else to have the freedom they need or want in a situation as long as it doesn't impact my life? Can I protect my life and perhaps life on a larger scale without infringing on the freedom of others? 
gender freedom, marriage equality, does it impact your life or freedom? No, it doesn't? Then move on. You don't need to get in the middle of what you perceive as someone else's morality that doesn't personally impact your life or your freedom. Here's the ultimate question when weighing where we stand and fight on these powerful and polarizing issues. Can I give up or compromise some personal freedom so that someone else can have agency and freedom in an area that is important, that is critical, that is life or death for them, and still maintain my own freedom? For example, can I allow other women to have the final say over what happens to their body without having to compromise my own personal beliefs and passions? Yes, actually, I can. I don't ever have to have an abortion if I don't want to. No one's going to force me to. Can I give up some personal freedom and wear a mask if it helps keep vulnerable people safe? Why not? Can I let the hand play out without throwing down my freedom or life trump card? Can I agree to save someone else's life if I can do it without giving up mine? Can I agree to give someone else freedom in an area that doesn't take away my freedom? At the end of all of it, all the arguing and anger, all the hysteria and headlines, all the posturing and politics, when you really boil it down, when it comes to the sanctity of life and freedom, number one, it is not the government's job to legalize moral issues. What is a moral issue for you may not be a moral issue for someone else. Morality is not guaranteed in the Constitution, and there's a reason for that. It is subjective. It can be religion-based. But morality is individual, and we are all accountable to ourselves when it comes to right versus wrong. Our morality is between us and our God, me and my God, you and your God, you and whatever moral code you live up to. It is not the government's job to legalize moral issues. The government's job is to provide liberty and justice for all. Number two, fight for freedom always on the large scale, but don't let your individual freedom take away life or freedom for someone else. Be willing to compromise individual freedom when the issue isn't life or death for you, but could be for somebody else. Masks, vaccines, gun regulations, licenses, public health issues. Be willing to compromise individual freedom when it helps us create a more peace-filled existence for all people. Do not withhold or prevent freedom that groups or classes of people are entitled to. Men, women, people of color regardless of gender, sex, religion, whether or not you're a citizen from another country looking for a better life, looking for freedom, looking for asylum. Fight for freedom always on the large scale, but don't let your individual freedom take away life or freedom for someone else. Number three, fight for the sanctity of all lives. The innocent and guilty, the young and old, the citizen and immigrant or refugee. If you passionately believe in the sanctity of life, you really don't have any credibility in your argument unless you fight for the sanctity of all lives. To our next presidential candidates, I'm talking to you. Let these three things frame your perspective on issues of gun regulation, border control, and paths to immigration. Let these three things be a guardrail when voting or vetoing legislation. Let it be a voting guide to all of us who aren't in the leadership or elected positions, but will determine who's going to win those elections. Let it be a voting guide for us. If you are thinking of running for president, I have some homework for you. Listen to episode 11 
of this podcast. It's called Stonewall to See Through, and it talks about how we can make room for polarizing topics with people we disagree with. As Americans, our job is to provide freedom and liberty and justice for all. That means we have to learn how to negotiate and give and take in a way that is informed, educated, gracious, and brave. Just the fact that we can publish a podcast about these topics is something we should pause and recognize and be grateful for. I know that I am grateful. And if you are still listening after talking about such a scary topic, a powerful topic and polarizing, I appreciate you hanging in there. And again, the only thing I hope I accomplished today was to make you think about these things and about where you stand. And I hope you'll tune in for How to Be President Part 2. We're going to keep talking about this. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the end. I really appreciate you and your time. You can go to kellybargabas.com to find all the past episodes of All There Is and my other podcast here to lead. Until we meet again, take care.